Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Sturkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Well, all right. Good morning. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you're glad you're here. God is glad you're here, and he wants to speak to you today through his amazing word. And uh, we're still in the book of James, A Faith That Works is the series, and we're wrapping this up over the next couple of weeks, and today is part two of uh, a message called Help in Hurting Times. And you may not be in a hurting time where you need any help, but you will. In fact, if you have been in a season of hurt or you're in a season of hurt right now, I want you to raise your hand. Just be transparent. Let's go. Now, those of us who raised their hand, put on your prayer list those that didn't raise their hand because theirs is on the way. I mean, it's coming at them. It's in the chamber, and it will happen. All of us will enter a season and experience a season of hurt, struggle, suffering. It's what we call life. And it affects everybody, and you can't rise above it. It just happens. And it just happens when sometimes we don't even, when we least expect it. We seem to be doing things well, and it happens. And so it's just a fact of life. So what do we do when that happens? Well, we we need to reach out for help. And so James, uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to tell us how to do this thing. How does it work? And so last week, we covered the first two points on the back of your life guide, and they were private prayer. Uh, James begins in verse 13 of chapter 5. He says this. He says, is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about this passage, and we always kind of go straight to sickness. And it can include sickness because what he's talking about can be a byproduct of sickness, but that's not generally what he's talking about. In fact, We're going to see today, as we go through this passage, the words, the Greek words that James uses, he uses different words to emphasize the point he's trying to drive home. And so in last week's verse, he says, is any one of you suffering? The word was kakopatheo. Is anybody persecuted? Is anybody afflicted? Is anybody experiencing the evils of this world? Are you troubled? He says, this is who I'm talking to. And he says, if this is you, you should pray. It shouldn't be our last resort. It should be our first response. I want you to know today, when you win, not if, when you enter a season, when things are are hard for you, life is just tough, your first response is to pray. So everybody just say, I need to pray. Now, if you choose not to pray, that's fine. God won't hold it against you, but don't go belly aching to God if you didn't pray. Okay, because you didn't do what you're supposed to do. So if somebody is, uh, is suffering, they should pray. Jesus said we should get alone in Matthew 6, get alone in a closet by ourselves and pray in secret. And as we pray in secret, he will reward us in secret. The Bible also says that Jesus got away by himself regularly to pray to the Father. And we should learn and take note if, if, if Jesus, who is God... Uh, saw it important for him to spend some time alone with his father, God. If it was important for Jesus, you know what that means for us? It's really important for us. So we need to really get serious about prayer. Now, he goes on then, and he says, the number two on the back of your life, God, is personal praise. He, He doesn't leave us hanging. He wants to remind us that everything is not always terrible. Now, sometimes our conversations would lead other people to believe that everything is terrible because we bellyache and moan and complain. I know you do. We all do it. But there's always something good going on in our life. If we've got a beat of our heart, 
if we're able to inhale, exhale. There's things in our life that are good. And, and so James says in, uh, in verse 18, he said, we need to exercise personal praise. Excuse me. He says, is anyone in good spirits? He should sing praises. We talked about solo is the word. You should play an instrument. You should sing. You should rejoice. You should talk positively. You should remind God how great he is on those days when he's great and remind him that he's still great even when things don't seem great in our life. And so we pray, we praise, and now we're going to go to a whole nother level. Number three, on the back of your life guide, when you're in the middle of suffering and hurting in your life, how do you find help? You pray, you praise, and next is called pastoral participation. Pastoral participation. So watch what James says here in verse 14. He says, is anyone among you ill? He should summon the elders of the church, and they should pray for him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful, and often it's a mouthful of confusion. I mean, he talks about everything from summoning the elders to getting them to pray for you to getting them to anoint you with oil, for there to be a healing or a raising up. And then he lands, oh, by the way, if there's sin in your life, you can be forgiven. I mean, he just really just threw up is what he did. And so we're going to have to unpack this if we want to know how to find help in hurting times. Now, in verse 13, I told you the word for sickness or suffering was kakopatheo. He, now he uses a different word. Kakopatheo is where you start suffering. You just feel the evils of the world weighing in around you, pressing in on you. And so now he's going to say, if, if you've prayed and praised during those times and it has left you just discouraged, I mean, it has chewed you up and spit you out. You feel, you feel alone. You feel like God is not hearing your prayers. You feel like it's getting worse and it has not gotten better. Now he says... He throws in this word. He says, so now maybe you find yourself ill, not suffering. Now you're ill. Well, now this word in the Greek is different than kakopatheo. Listen to this. The word is astheneo, astheneo. It means because of your suffering, it's just made you ill. It has made you weak, deficient, knocked down, distressed, uh, and all alone. And he says, so now if it's kind of, it, the devil has doubled down on you. It's just, I mean, it, you, you can't seem to get any release. If this is you, he says, the next step is to summon the elders. Hold on, what is, what is an elder? Well, that's everybody over 75 years old, right? So you find the old people, okay? And I can say that because I'm becoming one. Uh, and Lord willing, I'll become a very old one. Uh, we find the old people and we ask them to pray, right? Let's know what it is. The word, the Greek word is presbyter. We get our word Presbyterian church. Uh, an elder is an official, a leader called by God, appointed uh, by the Holy Spirit, and embraced by the church as a leader. Now, in the Bible, the word presbyter can be translated into English a lot of different ways. A presbyter is a pastor. A presbyter is a shepherd. A presbyter is a bishop. A presbyter is the leader of your church. In our church, we have three presbyters. We have three elders. I am an elder. I'm senior pastor, okay? Uh, Tim Stallings is an elder. He's executive pastor. Clark Stepp is an elder. 
He is student pastor and missions pastor. Now, we choose the word pastor because it's just kind of the tradition of the church, and it's biblical. We could be called elder. I could be called Elder Joel. I could be called bishop. I kind of like that. Bishop, like T.D. Jakes or somebody. You know, I mean, that's cool. Y'all want to call me Bishop Joel, you can. But, but it's sophisticated, and the problem with that is I ain't that sophisticated. So we'll go with Pastor Joel, okay? Now, he says, you call the elders, you summon them. It's your request. It's an intentional action on the suffering person's part now. They've prayed, they've praised God, and now they're not finding any relief. They are to summon the elders of the church. Now, when they summon the elders of the church, there's a reason for that. It's because now you want to have somebody who should be more mature in the faith. Not necessarily more mature than you, but mature in the faith. And so an elder should be that person. A pastor should be that person. Scripture says, where two or more are gathered, there I will be with you. So now you're bringing somebody who's spiritually mature alongside you to pray for you, to um, agree with you in your request, in your seeking uh, something from God. And so that's what he's talking about. Now, he says, I want you to summon the elders. Now, here's the problem. You see, we live in a world that wants relief from hurting. And it may not be you now, but it may be you in the future. Um, I'll give you an example. I remember about 10 years ago, I had a chronic back issue. I had a disc that was coming apart. It's of the devil. It's just awful. And so I went in because they make you go through the procedure. Oh, you need to do therapy. You need to go to a chiropractor. Okay, whatever. I'm, it, this ain't helping. And so then they said, well, you need to get a steroid shot. So I went in for a steroid shot, and when I woke up, the doctor's looking at me. That's never good. And he said, uh, Joel, we got a problem. I thought I came in to fix a problem. He said, when we put the steroid injection, the needle in there, we, didn't, we couldn't tell from the MRI, but your disc had bulged inside your spinal column, and we poked a hole in it with the needle. Sounds good. Sounds good. So he said, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Thanks. So I went home. By that night about midnight, I was in unbelievable. Now, I'm a man of God. I am a man of faith. I trust God, the God who whispered everything out of nothing. He hears my prayers. At 11 o'clock at night, about November, I'm laying in the front yard in my underwear, crying that God would take me home. Now, you, you may not, you say, oh, I would never lay in the yard in my underwear. You get hurting bad enough, you'd lay there naked if you get some relief. You just won't help in hurting times, all right? Now, they took me to the emergency room, and they injected me with a drug called Dilaudid. Yeah, that'll make it go away, and the whole world with it. Now, that, when you get to a place like that, you want help. And James is saying, I want to tell you where you can find help in hurting times. You pray, you praise, and you get participation from your pastor. But what do we do? We turn on the TV, and we see a guy who's got the holy hanky he's swinging around. This has rubbed the brow of a miracle worker. You send me 50 bucks, I'm sending you a holy hanky. Okay? You got the holy blower. And I can just get to that service and let him, and I just pass and fall over, and I'm healed. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's not in the Bible. None of that's in the Bible. Okay? You know what's in the Bible? You pray, you praise, and you include your pastors. Now, that's what it looks like. 
And this is your lucky day. Every week we offer prayer at the end of the service right here at this altar. Now, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to understand something. There's nothing mystical, mysterious, or magical about this real estate right here in the front. But there's something amazing that happens when we exercise humility and say, I, I am among most of my brothers and sisters in Christ that I'm going to spend eternity with. And I've got a pastor and pastors who love me, and I need help. And I don't care what anybody thinks. Listen, when you get hurting bad enough, you don't care what anybody thinks. And you'll come down here, and it says for uh, your pastor to pray. You just find a pastor and say, I want you to pray for me. Now, he, he says this, this thing next. He says, uh, he says, uh, he says I want you to, uh, to ask them to anoint you with oil. Now, this whole thing gets kind of strange right now. I mean, now you're, you're laboring over somebody in prayer and you're anointing with oil. Uh, and let me, just, let me explain what, what, when, when I say praying over somebody. If you are a prayer, meaning you are a Christian who has an intimate, regular prayer relationship with God, when somebody is bold enough to walk down here needing prayer, you should come and pray with them. You don't have to be appointed. You don't have to have a position. You should come and pray over them. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. You know, some people say, well, I don't know if they want me to pray. I mean, you got COVID and cooties and all of that running around out there. You don't want that. I, I'm not saying come down and waller over them, you know, slobber on them. I'm saying just come down and lay a hand on them and pray. Now, why do I say that? Because often that's not the way it is. When I was ordained as a deacon in the 80s in a mega church. And there were probably, they, they asked all ordained men to come and pray for somebody who is being ordained. Now, you, you may notice, you may have never noticed, we have chairs for the people we ordain. We have chairs for them to sit in. When I got, got ordained, I had had both ACLs replaced. And I was on a concrete floor with about a paper-thick carpet on it. And I was on my knees, and these old men would come by, and it was like they were trying to do push-ups. I mean, they're just, oh, Lord God. They just. And my, I'm not kidding. It was one of the most, my ordination as a deacon was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had in my life. I, I was wanting up. My, my knees were killing me, and they just mashing on me. I'm not talking about that. Listen, you say, well, I don't know what to do. You see somebody that comes forward because they're hurting and they don't, they're, not, they're at a place they don't care what anybody thinks. And if you have a relationship with God, you can just come up behind them. And this is what you pray. Father, I don't know the details of their need. But you do because you're God. I, we're, I'm coming together and agreeing with this person. I'm, whatever they're praying for, God, I'm asking that you hear their prayers. And that you perform miracles in their life. Just show yourself strong in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. You walk away. End of story. It's that easy. Okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. It's beautiful. Now, number two, he says, now we want you to, uh, to pray over them, but now we, you want to be anointed with oil. Okay, now it's going to get creepy for some of you Baptists. Okay, we're getting the oil out because you know what comes after the oil? Box of snakes. Right? If you're getting the oil out, the snakes are right over on the side waiting. Okay? And I handle snakes like with a hoe big stick okay it's not that and so we don't know what it's talking about because we don't we don't practice it much what's it talking about what kind of oil is it how much we're talking about you know 
10W50? You know, we talking about Wesson oil? What are we talking about? We, some of you ladies, are we talking about essential oils? I got the spearmint right here in my purse. But some of y'all mad at me right now because I cracked on your voodoo juice, okay? There's nothing against those oils. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. If you're old like me, you know what kind of oil is going to fix everything. Either castor oil or camphorated oil. Anybody raised with that? That's a miracle drug. It'll solve everything from dry skin to constipation. Everything. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And it can be used as diesel fuel. You didn't know that, did you? This stuff is potent, all right? Is that what we're talking about? No. In the Bible, it's talking about, you ready? Olive oil. It was an oil that was available that had multiple purposes. It was used as fuel for a lamp. It was used to uh, moisten skin because in, in the Middle East, it was very, very common to have uh, dry skin. It was used, listen to this, some of you guys, a beard oil, beard oil, you know? If you had never grown a long beard, you don't even know what that is, beard oil. Hair, it would, they would put it in their hair to condition their hair. That's what he's talking about. You say, well, man, this olive oil, I got a bottle at the house. I dip bread in it. I didn't know it's a miracle ointment. It's not. Listen, the miracle is not in the oil. The miracle is in the person who, the miracle happens when a person is humble enough to say, I want a pastor to anoint me with oil because the oil represents the presence of God. It represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is a message to God that says, God, I am humbled before you. You are mine and I am yours, and I am pursuing help in hurting times. I am willing to have oil placed on me. I'm willing to have somebody pray over me. God, I just want to know that you're hearing my prayers and that my prayers are in alignment with your will. David talked about it in the 23rd Psalm. He says, he anoints my head with oil. Now, he wasn't saying God comes from heaven and just saturates him with oil. He was saying God is my protector. God is my provision. God is the one who is looking after me when I can't even seem to look after my own self. And so that's what happens. And so he says, I want you to practice this, to seek pastors who would pray over you and anoint you with oil. Now... He says this real strong line that is probably one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible. He says in verse 15, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. If you read it on the surface and you don't do your homework, it almost sounds like a formula to get everything you ever wanted. Okay, this is good. I got an ingrown toenail. I'm going to praise, a pray, I'm going to praise, I'm going to get a pastor to anoint my big toe with oil and pray over me, bam, I'm healed. Because that's kind of what it sounds like, right? And, and let's just take it to the next level. Let's say you've been diagnosed with a, with a terminal illness. No worries, because if I pray, praise, get the pastor to anoint me with oil and pray over me, I'll be healed. And he'll raise me up, right? That's what it sounds like, a formula to get everything we want from God. But let me just make something very, very clear. You and I can never, will never get everything we want from God because God is God and we are not. 
And God has a sovereign plan. And don't get me wrong. You listen. I believe in the wonder-working power of God. I believe that the same God who walked on this earth and turned water into wine, who fed thousands with a borrowed lunch from a little boy, who told a man to put mud in his eyes and he would see, who told a man that was lowered through the roof to get up, pick up his pallet, and go home. I believe that same Jesus who healed then still heals today because our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Amen? But just because he's the same God and we read those stories doesn't mean we can assign our own miracle into our life and demand that God does it our way. Let me tell you something about God. He's been being God for eternity past. He's got a lot of experience, and he's really good. He's God, and we're not. Now, we, we have to posture ourselves under that kind of God to get this thing right, or we get disenchanted with our prayer life. We get disenchanted with God hearing our prayers. Listen, all of our suffering is a product, not of God, but of the fall of man in the Garden of Beginnings, okay? All of it. And, and, and God uses it. He, he works it into his story, into his narrative that points to his glory and ultimately will work for our good. You see, when I got saved, when I was a little boy, God reached inside of me and got a hold of my spirit man, my spiritual side, and he renewed it. He breathed on it, his Holy Spirit, and he saved me from the inside out. But that spirit man is walking around in carnal flesh man. And there's a battle. Flesh hates spirit, spirit hates flesh. And so my spirit cannot be affected by the curse of, the, of sin at the fall of mankind anymore. It's been fully redeemed, okay? I exchanged it for Jesus' perfection. So on the inside, I'm perfect. My spirit is perfect, but it walks around in this flesh. And flesh is still exposed to the things of the world. Sickness, pain, suffering, depression, sadness. All of those are products of the fall. Doesn't affect my spirit, man, but it affects my flesh. Now, one day, Jesus comes back, we get a glorified body, get a brand new body, and it'll be redeemed on the outside just like the inside. And when that happens, no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain, and that'll be a good day. But while we're here, we're redeemed on the inside, but we still suffer on the outside. And so we understand the origin of it. And we understand that James is telling us how to do battle in the middle of our suffering. But there's sometimes suffering comes in our life we simply don't understand. And, and, and it'll always be the case. There's some things in our life that we know where they come from. There are people who suffer because of sin. I'll call it sinfully suffering. What does that look like? What, what sin have I committed that I suffer for? Eating too much drinking too much, smoking too much, sitting too much, worrying too much, 
moving too little, living immorally too much, and the list goes on. There's things in my life and your life that will cause suffering, sins in our life, okay? And sometimes we know it or sometimes we don't want to own it and we want to blame it on somebody else. But the truth is there's suffering in our life caused by our own sinful choices. Number two, there are people who satanically suffer. These are people like Job who are righteous people living for God, but God allows Satan to bring suffering into their life. God allowed Satan to remove uh, all of Job's wealth. God allowed Satan to remove Job's children. God allowed Satan to put a a boil or a, a, a sore over his whole body. God allowed that satanic suffering. In, um, in Acts chapter 10, Dr. Luke writes the book and he says that there are those who are oppressed of the devil. So there's satanic suffering. Thirdly, I want you to know that there's sometimes strategic suffering. This is, these are situations when God allows suffering in your life to accomplish a greater goal. What might be a good example? Paul. Paul had an affliction of the devil. It was a thorn in his flesh. Paul says, I prayed to God three times that he would remove the thorn from my flesh. Now, what is his suffering? What is his thorn? Some people believe he was going blind. Because one place he says, you can see how large I am writing this letter. Another place he says, I know if you could, you would give me your own eyes. So he may have been going blind. It doesn't tell us because our suffering may be different than that. But he says, I prayed three times. And God said, no. He says, but my grace will be sufficient and in your weakness, I will be made strong. So Paul says, you know what? To keep me from being arrogant, I'll take my suffering. Sometimes God's strategy includes our suffering. I don't even like that. Okay, and you don't have to like that. But it doesn't matter what we like. God is God, and we simply are not. John, the revelator, the apostle, the one that Jesus loved the most, whatever that looks like, he finds himself persecuted and placed on an island called Patmos, suffering. Why? God had to put him there so he could show up and give him the book of the future. John, in his suffering, received the book of the Revelation. Everything, every future event, John got it because he was on the island while suffering. So let me be honest here. When it comes to God's suffering, when it comes to our suffering and wondering what God's doing, I don't have to understand it. When it comes to our suffering and what God's doing, I don't necessarily have to like it. What I have to do is learn how to press through it because there's a difference. You see, when somebody suffers that is a child of God, it means God walks with them through the suffering. And anybody that's born again is a child of God. That's it though. Anybody that hasn't had a born-again experience through Jesus and entered a relationship with God, they're not children of God. They're children of the devil. That's what Jesus said. You are of your father, the devil. 
So there's children of God and children of the devil. The children of God have suffering. God walks through it with them. The children of the devil have suffering just like we do. The difference is they walk through it alone. And that's it. I want you to know suffering's real. God will walk right through it with you. He'll hold your hand. He'll whisper even times when you think, I don't think he's listening. I don't think he's in. Trust me. He's in. He, listen, if he loves you enough to think about you and form you and knit you together in your mother's womb, to watch you become a sinful, rejecting human being, and then chose to come to this earth wrapped in skin to die on a cross in your place to make you right with him, he loves you. And when you're suffering, he loves you. And he will walk with you in the middle of it. I share this quote. It's one of my favorite quotes of all times from one of my favorite preachers of all time. It's an old man named J. Vernon McGee. J. Vernon McGee said, this is God's universe and he has his way of doing things. And then he said, now friends, you may have your way of doing things, but friends, you don't have a universe. And you know what? That's, tr- that's absolutely emphatically true. We have our way of doing things. This is not our universe. The one who whispered everything out of nothing, it's his. And God sometimes uses suffering in our life to accomplish his greater good. Now, he finishes up that little passage and he says, and the Lord will raise him up. The word there is egero, to raise him up. Are you ready? This is what he's saying. James is saying, you got suffering? Join the team. We're all in it. We all have it. You pray, you praise, you include the pastors, you get anointed with oil, and he says, and in the end, he's going to raise you up. We have a a dear member here. Her name's Chrissy Adams. She looks after our 11B homeless feeding ministry in Lake City, and she's had a lot of battles in her life. She battled cancer for much of her life and had to have a lot of treatments. And this week, she was just having her week. And she wasn't feeling great. And then she was feeling less great. And so she went to the hospital and she was having a heart attack. And she's at Park West. And I want you to pray for her. And at first, they told her there's nothing we can do, basically. She says, your, your arteries are too clogged and, you're, uh, and we can't put in stents and, and all that. So... There's not a whole lot we can do. And so she just kept praying about it. And, and, and in the process, uh, she started having kind of a, another heart attack, I guess. And her, her upper number on her uh, heart beat, blood pressure, whatever, was in the 200s. I mean, it was bouncing out of her chest. And she's laying there, and the doctor said, we've got to do something about her heart. We've got to do something. And she said in that middle, she was, in a minute, she was just praying. And she said it's like Jesus just kind of walked up beside her and said, hey, I'm right here. We went and visited her last night. She's tears running out. She said, Jesus said, I'm right here. And when he said that, her blood, her blood pressure went, shoom. It just came back down. He said, everything's going to be okay. Now, watch this. Everything's going to be okay and I'm right here doesn't mean necessarily my suffering goes away immediately. It doesn't mean my suffering goes away at all. It doesn't mean I'm not going to die today. What it means is, in the end, I'm going to make everything right. 
In the end, the devil loses. In the end, I raise you up and you spend eternity with me in heaven where there is no more suffering, no more sorrow, and no more pain. I'm telling you this much. Living a life for God as a child of God with Jesus as my Savior is amazing. And if you're here today and you don't walk with Jesus, you are missing abundant life in the middle of a world where the devil is real and his goal is to steal, to kill, and destroy everything that your life is about. Jesus is amazing. And that's what he does. Now, now, when it doesn't make sense, and we read this passage, and you could read it. Don't get me wrong. Listen to me. You could read this passage and say, Brother Joel, I, Bishop Joel, I don't think uh, that's what it means. And I could say, well, I'm the bishop, so that's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to go with my plan. No, you could read it on your, on, on your own and say, well, you know, I'm convicted that, uh, that this is just sickness. Regardless of the Greek, I think it means sickness. The Holy Spirit convicted my heart. Whatever. There's, there's the basic views about this passage. Number one. It's not physical sickness, it's, it's trials and difficulties, which is kind of where I land. Number two, it's a proverbial statement um, that it's not always true. It's like the Sermon on the Mount. It's, it's wisdom teaching. Thirdly, that, that it's referring to an age uh, of, of apostolic healing where the people who saw Jesus, the apostles assigned as ministers of the faith, of the gospel, um, they, had, they were given special gifts which authenticated their ministry. And so it's for the apostles, and when the apostles died, this really died with it. I don't believe that, but that's what some believe. Uh, some believe that it, he's talking about a result of a supernatural or exceptional faith for a particular time and situation. You could say, like Chrissy had, when she felt like Jesus just came up and said, hey, I'm right here, it's going to be okay. Okay, it could be those moments where it's just isolated, a particular exceptional moments. Or it could be a moment when it seems as if the Holy Spirit has spoken to someone a gift of healing for someone else. In other words, you're just minding your own business and, and it's like God says I want you to go pray for that person and you go pray for that person and they're healed and it wasn't you it's just God told you to do it and you were the instrument and in fact everybody has that that last one the fifth one did you know everybody has that they do yeah when Jesus was here I mean he was a rock star he just did the coolest stuff you know told his boys hey go get some water out of there we got to get some wine in here by the time they got up there it's wine Whatever. Oh, uh, Jesus, the, the, the disciples said, Jesus, can you not see how hungry they are? He says, we're going to send them away to eat. He says, you give them something. Oh, we don't have anything. Let's see what you got. Oh, they got this little boy over here brought his lunch. Yeah, bring it over here. Yeah, feed them this lunch. And they all ate. Probably 15,000 people, men, women, and children. They just all ate and had leftovers. Okay. Uh, people show up and they're sick, can't, hadn't seen for the whole life, hadn't walked the whole life. Yeah, I can fix that. He's healed and healed and healed. And then Jesus says this really strange line. Are you ready? He says, you will do greater signs than this. You will accomplish greater things than this. Feeding everybody with lunch, that's pretty cool. That's pretty big, Jesus. Turning water into wine, that's a biggie. What do you mean I can do better, bigger than this? When Jesus finished the reason he came, Brutally crucified on a cross, buried in a borrowed tomb, raised to life, ascended into heaven. Holy Spirit came. The great commission came to go into all the world and share the gospel and teach them and baptize them. That's what you've got. 
And what makes that greater than what Jesus did while he was here? Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Stinky dead. Raised him from the dead. There's only one problem with that. Lazarus had to go through it again. He had to die all over again. Every miracle in the physical realm that Jesus did was great. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the ability to speak eternity into people's life by sharing the good gospel of Jesus and watching people be delivered from eternal death into forever life. That's the greater miracle. And you carry that within you. And, and so, see, there's always a bigger story. Sometimes we get, we kind of zoom in, we get the microscope out, and meanwhile, God's saying, where's your telescope? Let's back up and look at this. He says, listen, I will raise you up in the end. So here's how we're going to sum this up. He says, I want you to know, God heals sometimes miraculously fast. God heals sometimes methodically slow. God heals sometimes now. God heals sometimes later. God heals sometimes here. And God heals all the time there. Amen? God still heals. He's a healing God and he loves his children. So we, we have private prayer, personal praise, pastoral participation. And then we're to be reminded we're in this thing together. Number four, participatory prayer. He says in verse 16, so we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. This is the beauty of being in a church. I mean, we have all kinds of eternal fringe benefits and we have life abundant now and the Holy Spirit dwells in us and he's our comforter. But I want you to know also the beauty of being a part of the local church. We're in this thing together. On my worst day, I'm not alone. You may be having a worse day. Or in my worst day, you may have just had your worst day yesterday and live tell about it. And you can help me. You see, the family comes together and we pray for each other. And that's what he says. Now, he puts this odd line in there. He says, so confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Now, what, are, what is he talking about confessing to each other? This sounds a little, a little sketchy. He's talking about in the family, I, I was raised with, with three brothers. We fought all the time. We, you, if you didn't know better, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think we were family. You would think, you'd think we hated each other. We loved each other. It's just we had to secure our ground. So we fought all the time. But we loved each other. To this day, we love each other. We text each other regularly, see each other regularly. That We're all involved in different churches and serving. We still love each other. It's amazing. But sometimes it don't look like we love each other. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but sometimes in the church, it don't look like we love each other either. You know what I'm saying? But we do, and we're in this thing together. So when he says confess, it means this. Uh, you, you, you realize the Holy Spirit's convicted your heart that you have been harsh with somebody. Maybe you've talked about somebody behind their back. Maybe you've lied or slandered or gossiped against them. And they're right here in the church. Maybe something's happened, a situation, and man, there's just animosity there. And then on, on, on this day, you, you realize, what am I doing? We're in the same family. And, and you know how 
listen, as children of God, we're going to spend eternity together. And I know there's some people you're saying, I kind of hope they wasn't going. You know, I don't want to spend eternity with them. I don't even want to see them on Sunday. I think it's these people he's talking to. You go to that person, you say, hey, 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 hey. You know, I, I feel convicted by the Holy Spirit that we need to make this right. And I'm, I'm asking you to forgive me for something I said or the way I acted. Will you forgive me? And they forgive you. And the relationship is restored. And you say, can we pray about this? And you pray about it. And healing comes. It opens the door. Because scripture is full of reasons why our prayers are hindered. Full of them. And one of those is unforgiveness. Now, let me tell you. It's always okay to confess the gory details to God. It's seldom okay to confess the gory details to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me tell you what it doesn't look like, okay? I come to church. It's been a hard week, and I showed up to church today. I hear this message, and old Jimmy over here is my friend. I said, Jimmy, will you go to the altar and pray with me? He said, yeah. And you get up there, and you say, Jimmy, I need to confess. Uh, Friday night, I went downtown, and I drank a dozen Bud Lights, and it messed me up. And before it was over, I got put in jail. I got a DUI. And I'm confessing it to you. And I got out of jail. Somebody posted bond. And I'm here. I just, I, I, I just need to confess that. But while I'm confessing to you, your wife, she's pretty hot. And I think she's flirting with me. And I had a dream about her. Whew, I sure do feel better, Jimmy. Can we pray? And Jimmy say, yeah, let's pray. And then he punches you in the side of the head acceptable behavior okay that's not what we're talking about that doesn't do anybody any good nobody any good but you can confess all that to God and he'll hear your prayers and if your heart is right he'll forgive your sin the confession to each other is to restore our relationship with which with each other which opens the door to forgiveness from God now he says in this you can find healing and lastly is passionate prayer so we, we, we pray, and we praise, and we include the pastors, and we have uh, other people participate in our prayers, and at the end of the day, we just keep on praying. We keep on praying. Now, he says, the active prayer of a righteous person has great effectiveness he says, the active prayer. That Greek word is energeo, energy. The enthusiastic, powerful prayer of a righteous person availeth much, is effective. Now, what does it mean, a righteous person? Because the Bible tells us that God's ears are tilted and attentive to the prayers of the righteous. Who's he talking about? The pastor? <laughs> the bishop? Yes, and you, if you're a believer, you see, our righteousness is a gift from God through Jesus. When we're born again, he takes, God takes all of our unrighteousness and replaces it with the finished work of righteousness of Jesus over our life. And when you look in the mirror, you may not look too righteous. And righteous, by the way, is a right standing with God. You look in the mirror, you say, I don't, I don't look so righteous. 
The devil begins to condemn you. He says, you're not righteous. Don't listen to him. There's therefore now no condemnation for us from the devil. We, we, we have to be mindful that we're righteous because Jesus has made us righteous. And so what is this energetic, active prayer? Sometimes people get so goofy in prayer. Sometimes people feel like, well, I've got to remind God that I'm talking to him because he, he might forget. So we say, Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that you, Lord, would hear my prayer, Lord. And Lord, right now, Lord, I'm hoping, Lord, that you would move, Lord, on my behalf, Lord. Like, I don't talk to my wife. I don't say, Kendra, I'm thinking, Kendra, we need to go, Kendra, eat some lunch, Kendra. You know, give God some credit. He don't forget who's talking to him, okay? Or or we say, well, if my prayer is going to go make it all the way into the throne room, maybe I need to go King James. Oh, God, thou hast Lord of Athatha. God's like, what are you doing? What, are you King James? No, you're not. What are you, you're Bishop Joel. What are you doing? Okay. We, 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 we fabricate this stuff. That's not what it is. It's the fervent, active, energetic, intimate, real conversation between the redeemed and the redeemer. It's a place where we just say, God, I need you in this hurting time. There's no place else I can go, God, but to you. But there's no place I would want to go but to you. So, God, I'm pouring myself. I got nothing. And I'll take anything that you'll pass my way. I humbly place myself before the greatness of who you are, God. Fervent, active, intimate, energetic prayer. And when I need that on my behalf, you know who I go to? My grandchildren. Because my grandchildren haven't learned yet that it's not cool to have childlike faith. And I go to my grandchildren and we'll pray. And sometimes I, I, I peek because I feel like Jesus just showed up. And they're just praying so simple and pure. And I'm telling you right now, if I get sick, I want them on my prayer team. Because they trust God. Which leads me to the final point. So how do we do this thing, church? How do we do it? Are you ready? We're reminded of how great God is. And we just trust Him. And when we pray... We pray for miracles because God is a miracle-working God. And we can pray to God like we want it to be, but we condition it or temper it to say, God, I want it to be how you want it to be. So if if it's your will, this is my miracle. And I'll give you the praise and the glory for it because I can't do this myself. I'm going to trust you in this moment. To show yourself strong. We, place, we plant our feet in that. We trust him for a miracle. And even when it doesn't happen like we scripted to God, we trust him nonetheless. Nonetheless, we say, God, that's not really what I had in mind, but you're still God. <laughs> you're not surprised or shaken. You're still God. I'm still your child. You didn't answer that like I thought you would. 
So that means you've got something else in store. And God, even if it means you don't make this right until I enter into your presence in glory, I'm going to trust you because you are a good, good God. And what does that look like? Let me invite uh, my friends up here. I want to invite Haley and Tanner Walker and Jackson up here. This is what it looks like. So in 2016, I got to officiate their wedding. I love these people. They're awesome. If you don't know them, get to know them. They'll bless your life. And I performed their wedding. We just had a good time. And then in 2019, they thought it was a good idea to expand their family. So they wanted to have a baby. And God saw fit for it to be difficult for Haley to become pregnant. And that's very difficult. It's hard stuff, isn't it? And they went through a lot of stuff trying. We were praying they'd get pregnant. It wouldn't happen. And then in about 2020, Haley was getting ready to go in for a procedure to enhance the probability of her getting pregnant. And on the day that she was supposed to go for the procedure, she had done some pre-op work. And they called her and they said, hey, can't do the procedure. Okay, what's up? You're pregnant. And she was pregnant. And we had just, I mean, a Holy Spirit-filled praise time. Like, God, you're doing something. It's so cool. You just did it again. That is so amazing. She carried that little baby for about eight weeks. And then she miscarried. And the Lord took that little baby home. One of the worst days of, of her life right there. And I was over at their house, and it was awful. They weren't awful. They were trusting Jesus, but it hurt. And it hurt me. We cried together. We prayed together. And I told them, these are moments I got no answers, but I got God. And I told them, I said, hey, God will work this out. And there's going to be a day probably when the doctor says, hey, it's okay to try again. You try again. So in 2021, yeah, uh, she was, uh, Haley was scheduled for another procedure. And on this day of procedure, she had done her pre-op work and everything seemed fine. And Tanner over here messed everything up, got COVID. So no procedure. And so they then went on vacation and Haley wasn't feeling too good. And Tanner said, are you pregnant? She said, no. But she took a pregnancy test. She was pregnant. Now, had Tanner not gotten COVID, they could have inadvertently aborted this baby with that procedure, okay? And so about nine months later, I think it was his birthday's May 5th. May 5th, we were in the hospital at Fort Sanders, and God had taken everything full circle. And that praise that had gotten lost in difficulty and hurt and suffering was restored. Now, don't get me wrong. That baby that they lost will always hold a special place in their heart. And I believe with everything that in me, that's in me one day, he may be the one that meets them at the door of heaven and says, hey, come on in here. Let me show you around. And now Jackson will forever have a place in their life. And I, amen. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. I told him in the early service, this guy should come with wheels. I mean, he is solid. They got him on workout program or something. Now, I want you to know today, 
God does what he wants to do because this is his universe. And sometimes in his universe, it looks like Jackson Walker. Isn't that beautiful? And I want you to know today, the same God that turned this story around and made beauty out of ashes is the same God that will hear your prayers and do great things in your life. Amen? Amen. Say thanks to this beautiful family. Awesome. So, so how do we land this plane? What are we going to do? You ready? Every week, I give a uh, response time. Altar call, invitation, whatever, whatever your history calls it. And it's an opportunity for someone who doesn't know God to enter a relationship forever with God through Jesus, his son. I do it every week because there's lost people in here every week. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would convict a heart, invite them into the family, and the devil would just be pushed to the side, and, and, and that people will hear God's voice and say, he's, he's talking to me, and receive the gift that God gave me when I was a little boy, and the gift that carries on for all of eternity. And so I say that. If you're here today, I want you to hear the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is inviting you into his forever family, do not miss your opportunity to receive that. It is a game changer, a life changer. Everything changes when Jesus saves us from our sinful condition and, and sends the Holy Spirit to take up abode in our life. You say, well, how do I do that? That, that whole humbly before God, you just say, God, I'm a sinner. I know it. You could write the list and I'll sign it, but we all know it. And I know now I can't do anything to fix myself. That's why you came to earth 2,000 years ago and died your perfection, sacrificed on a cross in my place. And now you're wanting to share that with me. God, I receive your gift of salvation. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for choosing to love somebody like me. Thank you for including me in your family forever. You just pray that prayer, and he'll hear you, and he'll save you. What about the rest of us? There's people in here right now who are walking through seasons of hurt and difficulty. This altar is open, and as I said before, it's not mystical and magic. It is an opportunity to demonstrate humility on your behalf. God listens to the humble heart. And something about coming before people sends a signal to the people, to yourself, to God, and to the enemy camp that I'm serious about taking my stuff to God to leave it there. I want you to bow your heads and let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this incredible little book of James. And I thank you for the eternal words that James penned for us to dissect and to learn from today. God, I pray that on this day that some would receive you for salvation, that their eternal destiny would be altered because they received your gift of salvation and grace. And God, I pray that others today would be willing to say, I need help in this hurting time. 
I need help with this spiritual battle, this emotional struggle, this physical situation. God, I've prayed and I've tried to praise and I'm willing to go to the altar and have somebody pray with me on this day because I trust your word. And God, I trust you. And we'll give it to you on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.